Hey friends, welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. Today on episode 98, I am joined by my friend and colleague Mandy Ray to discuss our top transits of 2022. So we're super excited to be here with you all and tapping into the energy of 2022 a little bit further. Um, you already met Mandy Ray on a previous episode of Witch Church when she joined us on the Jupiter in Pisces panel on uh, episode 76. So that's actually a pretty important part of 2022, Jupiter and Pisces. So if you want to rewatch that episode, I'll have it linked in the show notes. But Mandy Ray, I would love uh, maybe to give you a little uh, space to reintroduce yourself to the listeners, although they already know and love you and are a fan of you. But uh, tell us a little bit about your astrological practice at the moment and also, tell us your sun, moon, and rising too. Let's just, let's be cheesy. So <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, that fits with my sun, moon, and rising. I am a cancer rising with a Scorpio sun and a Pisces moon. So cheese is totally fine with me, you know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, my name is Mandy. Uh, my business is called Ecstatic Astrology because I think astrology helps us have a perspective that is so important in the human experience, and that is to step outside of yourself, which is what ecstasy means. Uh, so I do a mixture of evolutionary and Hellenistic astrology, um, which, you know, they both have very different ideas associated with them, but I've found that um, they're really cool to blend evolutionary for psychological reasons and Hellenistic definitely for timing reasons. So that's what I do. And I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but yeah, I love meeting with people all over the country and even out of the country and you in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. You're, uh, the listeners are in the presence of not one, but two triple water signs today for our year ahead, um, year ahead reading. So hopefully we'll give you like the wateriest intuitive psychic uh, year ahead 2022 um, podcast ever. Uh, so we'll we'll probably both be unconsciously channeling some stuff for this year ahead. <laughs> um, but we meet on, um, we're recording this on February 4th, 2022. And our vision for this podcast is to, we've kind of gone over the whole astrology of this year and we've kind of nitpicked about seven or eight really important transits that we're kind of shining a light on and of course for all of the people listening or watching these aren't like the only cool interesting important transits of 2022 but they are the most important ones um, from our biased perspectives. So uh, we're going to talk about the ones that have excited both me and Mandy as astrologers, and we've kind of picked out the ones that we feel are most important. Other astrologers may have their eyes on ones that are slightly different, which is totally fine. So we're here to give you 
our perspective. Um, and we're just going to go and walk, uh, walk through these seven or eight kind of uh, transits and talk about the astrological weather that could be presented at these points of the year. And in following along on this journey, uh, we hope to give you just some guidance and advice that you can come back to during the year too. This episode is meant to be listened to, you know, a couple of times per year, you know, listen to this now, come back to it in the summer, come back to it in the fall, check in with what we're saying and don't feel pressure to absorb it all at once. It's going to be a lot to marinate with, um, but we hope that it'll marinate well over time. Uh, Mandy, do you have any other advice for maybe listeners who are like kind of in the in the mood for you know year ahead readings and astrology uh um forecasts like do you have any advice for like really like grasping it <laughs> yeah for sure I mean it's really important to know your own chart and even if you don't know a lot about astrology just know your rising sign and uh which signs are on each house. That's an easy way to follow along. You can find that on uh, astro.com and you can also Google house themes. It will tell you. So that's very important to know what theme, where it's at in your life. Uh, I think for sure. And also, like you said, there's the, the stars never quit moving. The moon moves so fast. Mercury moves so fast. So there's a lot a lot that happens in a whole year astrologically and every day matters. Uh, so you can work with the movements of the moon, the new and the full moons as well. These are, uh, I think the, the ones we picked are the ones that pack a punch. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't happen right in the middle of it. Like I've noticed that sometimes it happens on the buildup. So if you notice things happening during the year, uh, just before something we're talking about, or even after. Sometimes these things uh, show themselves as the aspects are separating. Just know that it may not be on that exact date that we're talking about that you encounter this theme, uh, especially depending on your own chart, but somewhere around there, you should have, have these things maybe come to fruition or manifest themselves. Yes. Okay. I like, I like that advice. Yeah. Take the timing with a grain of salt and we'll just, we're just pointing out vibes really. This is just a big 2022 vibe check. Um, and uh, ironically we're meeting, like I said, on February 4th and tomorrow, February 5th is our first transit that we've highlighted for the year. Um, so before we dive into that, I'll just say that if you're listening on, to the, on the podcast, if you prefer to watch us on YouTube, I'll have the link to my YouTube channel below. Um, and before you get into it too, make sure just to subscribe to Mandy Ray's YouTube channel and follow her on Instagram. I'll have all her uh, information in the show notes as well. So you can kind of follow along with us both however you want. Maybe it's through listening. Maybe it's through watching on YouTube, whatever you prefer. But yeah, so cool. Do you feel ready to get, get into it, Mandy? Definitely. Okay, cool. So dun, 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 first <laughs> transit we have picked uh, for important kind of packs a punch 
kind of themes of 2022, we have a Saturn-Sun conjunction at 14 degrees Aquarius on February 5th, 2022. Um, and it is interesting that we come together to almost form a structure you know, together on uh, on this date or just before this date, because Saturn is about forming structures. So we can kind of expect maybe at the beginning of February, there's definitely some reevaluation of the structure going on. But Mandy, do you want to get into a little bit more about why like the degree is significant because it's the conjunction is happening at 14 degrees Aquarius. Actually, I think it's today at 15. Um, or at 15. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. 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 Well, and the thing is about these exact conjunctions with the sun, um, is that it's known as Kazemi mm -hmm. and the, the sun conjunctions actually really good. It's looked at as good. And it heralds at 15 degrees the rest of Saturn's transit through Aquarius. So we're dealing with the second half of Aquarius, which it has not been in yet. And so I think it's auspicious that the sun can, can join Saturn today and makes that Kazemi audience with the king, which is what they, uh, they being the big astrology people, refer to as a Kazemi. Uh, it's in the heart of the sun audience with the king. So you get a message, right? And the message is on structure, which is Saturn's domain, how we build things, but in Aquarius, how we innovate, how we think outside the box when we're building this structure. And then Aquarius also rules humans in general, human interaction, societies, large groups of people. Uh, and so when Saturn moved into Aquarius, uh, was, you know, lockdowns, and we had all these rules around how we can gather, how we can be in a group. And so this Sun-Saturn conjunction, I've already heard just today, there was an article that scrolled past that was like, people are really ready for COVID to be over. And it's true. Most people are. This has nothing to do with you know, your beliefs about the virus. It has nothing to do with how you feel about these rules. All it has to do is with is our fatigue around it and feeling maybe boxed in. So the fact that the sun comes in and passes Saturn and then Saturn's transiting the rest of Aquarius is like this first initial, like, okay, let's, let's think about this differently. Uh, let's do this differently. Maybe rework the rules, maybe decide there are different ways to gather um, than you know we've even thought of. I know that sounds crazy. We're doing Zoom and everything so much, but maybe more outdoor. There's a way around it is what the Sun-Saturn conjunction really, to me, says. It's this jumping off point. Um, and we're, we're like getting this boost of being ready to do the work which is what the second half of Aquarius is going to be for everyone with Saturn there. It is work. It is, uh, I always say it's like, you know, shoveling stuff, uh, shit, let's just say it. That's what we're shoveling, but there's gold at the bottom. The process sometimes is not that fun, but there is stuff under there that is worthy of, uh, of working towards and Aquarius rules our goals. So this also date 
is boosting that, okay, we've got these goals. What are they? Maybe we need to go a different direction. Maybe we need to get out of our comfort zone. Aquarius rules the internet. I mean, and communication, the higher mind to a certain extent. So all of these uh, themes come up with Saturn in Aquarius anyway. And then with the sun there today, it's like this exclamation point. And we have um, a charged Saturn, if that makes any sense from here, from this point forward. Uh, and then of course, there's some conjunctions that it's going to make soon. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Because I think, yeah, like Saturn's getting plugged in. And, you know, we've experienced throughout the whole pandemic, Saturn in um, their strongest sign. So Saturn was in Capricorn and then moved into Aquarius. So whenever Saturn is strong, we are looking at how to sort of expand within these limitations. What do we do with the limitations in front of us? And I think a Saturn-Sun conjunction can be sometimes a, a little bit of a reality check of like, no matter how much you wish or we wish that the structure was different or that the limitations weren't there, they're here. And that's part of like the, the matrix of Saturn it's not about recognizing the limitation and rejecting it. It's not about looking at the limitation and saying like, oh, I wish it was different. Of course, we all wish it was different. Uh, but it's, it's more about looking at the limitation and saying, I accept this limitation as hard as it is. And, um, and I'm going to figure out what to do with this limitation. And oddly enough, that's what decreases our Saturnian suffering, you know, when we start working within our limitation, instead of fighting against it, take it from me, a Saturn sun conjunction native, you know, I, I know, a lot. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I'm an expert on this uh, transit, but I was born under this kind of transit. So I do feel like I live with it every single day. How do I expand with my own limitations? Um, and like you said, Mandy, um, we're having this like aha moment today, February 4th, tomorrow, February 5th with the Saturn sun conjunction. And then um, by April, we're speeding ahead a little bit, but by April 11th, uh, Venus and Mars will come up to Saturn and conjunct Saturn in Aquarius. So this is kind of telling me that there is a story unfolding with, you know, first the sun coming up to this conjunction with Saturn, and then in a couple months, Venus and Mars creeping up to Saturn. There's something about the way we are working with our structure that is continually uh, evolving, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, and that's, it's a, a good segue into the Mars Venus conjunction that's coming. And that's our next transit. But uh, I have to say that it's interesting that Mars and Venus are coming together in a Saturn ruled sign. Uh, and then they will come together again, a second time in a Saturn ruled sign, and then they will both move forward and conjoin Saturn. Uh, as it's all, you know, like it's perfectly timed for us to uh, 
synthesize something during this time so that we know how to kind of strategize and approach the future after this Sun-Saturn conjunction. So of course, we're looking to the personal planets, Mars and Venus, to tell us a little more information that just makes so much sense. It's our willpower, Mars, and our receptivity and our uh, love and balance and and all of the and values coming together and kind of almost like huddling up, you know, and saying, okay, we've got this work to do, Sun, Saturn. We've got this, you know, thing that we've got to accomplish, do, whether it be a goal or uh, even just, you know, needing to get out of the house. Like it doesn't have to be this huge things for some people it's not, but there is like this, okay, so what are the rules? Mars and Venus come together. What are they? What are they even, you know, and, and how do we both work with them? Um, and then you also said something about Venus moving fast, right? Like uh, once it starts first, Mars catches up to Venus. Yeah, well, we'll have, we'll have the, um, the first Venus-Mars conjunction on February 16th. And that, um, that conjunction is Mars overcoming Venus. But then by, is it March, what's, what's the, the March 6th as zero Aquarius conjunction by March 6th, when Venus and Mars make their second conjunction, uh, Venus will be overcoming Mars at one degree Aquarius. So there's something here about, um, you know, having two Venus Mars conjunctions in this like short amount of time from like February 16th to March, March. Yeah. It, it's not that it's, I mean, it is kind of unusual. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, but it is interesting to think about like Mars is winning the first conjunction on the 16th, and then Venus ends up kind of winning the conjunction on the 6th. And I'm thinking about like Mars Venus conjunctions in general, what you were kind of speaking to what happens when these two planets start to merge together. Um, yeah, what do you think of with with Mars and Venus in general merging? It really feels like an agreement. That's the best way I can look at it. And it's obviously a new phase, just like a new moon, you know, but this involves these pieces of ourselves that are uh, very important. You know, Venus is our comfort, what we love um, and, and how we find balance and beauty. And then Mars is the warrior. And when they come together, there seems to be like a, a shared goal, maybe, I don't want to overuse the word goal, but a shared, especially with um, Capricorn, maybe a foundation that we can access or move from. And they're both operating on the same level at this point. You know, they've made some kind of small talk. They understand what each other is doing. And it's funny because at first Mars, you know, is like charging forward and Venus is like, wait just a second, you know, we need to we need to think about this in a new way. The second, the second conjunction is like innovation, Aquarius. The first conjunction is very reality-based. I mean, Capricorn is, is kind of that cold reality. What, what is this? You know, what are the rules? What is the framework? And that is what Mars is really concerned with at first as it's moving faster. And then, you know, 
before I talk about the second conjunction, it should be noted the first on February 16th at 16 degrees Capricorn also has a full moon in Leo at the same time, uh, which is square the nodes, which are the eclipse points. So imagine this, it's a grand cross is what it's called. And it's a fixed grand cross in fixed signs. And the thing about that squaring the nodes is that the nodes are now in Scorpio and Taurus ruled by Mars and Venus. So, you know, without the nodes being there, it would be a little, I think, I don't mean to say transits are lighter or heavier, but this seems to be more karmically linked, more fate uh, focused with these Mars and Venus conjunctions. And what are we tuning into is the rules, authority, whether it be personal authority or the things you allow to have authority over you. Um, you know, the countries we live in, we are subscribing to their rules. The states we live in, in the United States, we are subscribing to a certain set of rules. And so I think it's, a, we're taking a hard look at that from both our our push, our Mars, from the way we move forward, we're taking a look at it, and from the way we receive, from the way we balance. It's a, it's like this, okay, we need to examine it for a minute. Mm, yeah, I, I like that, Mandy. And, you know, when I think about Mars-Venus conjunctions, you're so right, it's, it's an agreement. And it's interesting, too, how sometimes, like, separation can be an agreement just as much as coming together can be an agreement and I think we could be like kind of seeing both themes throughout uh, especially after Valentine's Day up until like the first week of March when the Venus Mars conjunction um, energy is the strongest and I was talking to you about like the just even the phrase conflict for the listeners or watchers, like, even though, you know, I'm saying conflict, like, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? It's probably not a great image. And most of us have a connotation of the word conflict that isn't so great. But when Mars and Venus are together, it's actually a really good time to uh, kind of engage in some healthy conflict. And yes, there is such a thing. And something I was thinking of too is like, like the, there's the phrase breakup, which has a really not great connotation. And then there's another way to say breakup, which could be conscious uncoupling. You know, both are getting at like people separating from each other, but breakup and conscious uncoupling, uh, there's a totally different narrative and story when it comes to the conflict. So uh, I say that because even though I'm not predicting necessarily breakups, I mean, this could very much be two people getting through a conflict together. But I think there's something about maybe rewriting, like, what are we even calling this conflict? Could it be a healthy discussion? Could it be that we're working through an obstacle together? Um, there's something about rephrasing the narrative in a way that's kind of what Venus wants to do to Mars. Venus is like, whoa, like, calm down, buddy. Like, we can work together, but here's what we're going to have to do in order to get this done, you know? Totally. I mean, I have a great example of this 
um, and what I could even imagine it showing up as, but I've got, I'm a cancer rising. I've got Saturn in my eighth house right now, which does rule debt. And you know what? I've racked up some debt over the last year uh, doing whatever. Um, but the interesting thing is the Mars Venus conjunction happens in first in my seventh house. And, uh, you know, we are going to have to tackle these things together, uh, me and my partner. It is going to be something we have to put our mind on. We have to talk about how we're going to do it, how we're going to approach it. This fits around the timeline. Uh, so it can be, you know, like just looking at it through those lenses. And then the second conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius uh, could be how we think outside the box together to deal with it. Or with Venus leading the way, we find some balance here. We've come to the agreement. It does seem like something in the middle of those two like there is this energy that just kind of holds during the middle of February 16th and March 6th, 6th with Mars and Venus traveling together. Um, and then, you know, March 6th, zero degrees of Aquarius, uh, it does light up the degree that Jupiter and Saturn came together on in at the beginning or actually the end of 2020, the solstice of 2020. Am I right? Yeah, the yeah. great the great mm -hmm. conjunction to yes. like the Jupiter Saturn great conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius, same degree where Venus and Mars will be meeting for their second conjunction on March sixth. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and that seems significant to me, uh, both relating to the phase of Jupiter and Saturn. And it's interesting, it's like there was a new phase conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn. And here we have a second new phase conjunction at the same degree, there is emphasis on the Aquarius area of your chart. And what are you doing there? What is going on? So, you know, it's, it's something for that you can ahead of time, think about just remember my little example, you know, I, you blend the themes of Capricorn and Aquarius and you think, where are those in my chart? You know, first, second house, second, third house, you'll figure it out whenever you go look at your chart. But those themes are going to be working somehow in tandem together, uh, maybe making an agreement or coming together for some healthy conflict in the Capricorn area. And then the new phase, how we start in a new way, build a new framework on March 6th. Yes, I, I love that. Um, yeah, it, it feels to me, you kind of just gave me an epiphany with just every single person's chart has been really busy in both the Capricorn house and the Aquarius house the past couple years. And you just gave me this epiphany, like the problems that get created in the Capricorn house are trying to be solved in the Aquarius house of your charts. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it kind of makes sense to me. Like, yeah, like, you know, what problems are being dragged from that Capricorn into Aquarius? Um, so, and I'm thinking too, just last, last to kind of go back to your full moon grand cross point mandy to finish up this specific highlight uh that full moon in leo happening on february 16th whatever it full moons illuminate things right and we know this full moon is accompanying the first venus mars conjunction so whatever conflict or obstacle that is being illuminated during this full moon I would say give it a couple weeks until Venus and Mars meet again 
at zero de degrees Aquarius during the first week of March. Like that full moon is going to need a couple weeks to marinate. That's what I would think. Uh, that's what I my intuition is telling me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. could not agree more with that. And also the fact that in between February 16th through the full moon in Leo square, the nodes, mm -hmm. uh, which if we look at the modern ruler of the South node in Scorpio, it is Pluto. So Venus and Mars will both meet Pluto in the middle of all this. And so, yeah, I would say definitely give yourself some time that that February 16th full moon could be a little sensitive. I mean, what is being, uh, I think brought out of us has a lot to do with inner child creativity, how, how we feel in that way, uh, which makes sense. I mean, you have to honor that part of yourself. So the fun, you know, Leo is fun optimism. So we have this full moon in Leo square, the faded nodes, you know, and it's just like, how does that work? But pay attention to that. I think that inner child creative, um, even romantic self. I mean, Leo rules romance. What, do, what does that need? What does that want? And then look at Venus and Mars and how can we accomplish that for maybe everyone? And then Venus, Mars, and Aquarius, that is everyone. You know, how can we accomplish that? For, how can we all have more fun? We need yeah. more fun. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think going into March and April that kind of takes us to like when things could potentially get a little too too much fun um but maybe it's kind of needed because our third highlight for 2022 is April 12th this takes us into the spring um we start kind of coming into Jupiter Neptune conjunction land um so tell us tell us a little bit mandy like around april as jupiter approaches their conjunction with neptune like what are some things we can kind of um think about with the, these two planets like mixing and mingling technically they're in the same sign as we speak they're both hanging out in pisces but it won't be until april when they start to get really, really close and join in the same degree. Yeah, and Jupiter is uh, the traditional ruler of Pisces. Neptune is the modern ruler. Um, I know in evolutionary astrology, Neptune is associated with Pisces. And the Neptune Pisces archetype is that of confusion, delusion, but also magic and mysticism and dreams. And so you've got that. And then Jupiter as ruler of Pisces, I think is more related to religious expansion, spiritual experiences, um, but also maybe beliefs running away with you in some way. And so this, you're bringing the two together and it does make for quite a foggy time. I mean, I even wrote brain frog, brain fog down. Can't even say it. Uh, as a, a theme during this time, because it is very disconnected, um, but not in, you know, it's more in the dreamy sort of disconnected way, uh, having the seeing beyond reality. Uh, and the danger is delusion. The danger is cults. The danger is escapism, um, placing too much belief in a spiritual experience you had, you know, placing too much reality into that mix, you know, maybe things that happen around this time can seem super magical and super wonderful, 
but that has the potential to come crashing down. And so it's a, it's a hard balance because you want to tell people this is going to be awesome. And by the way, I think March is going to be great. I think that we're going to have these really wonderful moments of Venus comes in to meet Jupiter at some point, And we have a new moon in Pisces. It's just going to be really airy and um, I should say watery, but really when I think of Pisces, it's fog, which the air has a little bit to do with that, right? It's holding this water. So a little disconnected um, and sometimes in a good way, but I think during the conjunction, uh, whatever's going on at that time to make sure you're examining or keeping two feet on the ground um, because there is potential to be confused, to be diluted, to be uh, to float away, really. I mean, to go into that escapism. Um, so I have these mixed feelings about it. And leading up to it, I mean, it really starts when the sun moves into Pisces, uh, which is not long after that full moon. It's like a couple of days later. The, the sun moves into Pisces and really amps up, it, up the Pisces quite a bit. Uh, so this is a good time to Imagine if you are a creative, anything, which I think everything is creative, but if you have um, maybe a job doing something creative or you're an artist or a musician or anything like that, this is the time to pull on those muses for sure. And to like just revel in those, those dreams, those imaginations and mysticism and, and just, you know, really soak in the inspiration. Um, that starts in March, but as we lead up to it, it's one of those things that you also have to make sure that you're attending to other things and not getting lost, not losing yourself, you know. Uh, there are some pitfalls of Neptune, I will say. Definitely, definitely. Like, it feels to me um, like the best way to maybe utilize like that March, April, um, especially around April 12th during the exact Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Feels like some really good ways, like you said, creativity, dreaming, meditation. I wrote down like, you know, if you have it within your means and it's something that feels aligned, maybe taking like a little solo trip, a little hermitage to somewhere that feels spiritual to you um, and doing some meditating and just kind of being with oneself. Um, the idea of the higher self uh, really comes through with Jupiter-Neptune conjunctions. Um, also, I will say, and again, take this with a grain of salt, um, and there definitely is a huge path of like overdoing this or abusing this. Um, but I will say like, if you feel an intuitive calling to healing through plant medicine, it might be a powerful time for um, like partnering with some kind of plant medicine if it feels aligned in your integrity uh, for healing. And that doesn't have to be something like um, like psilocybin it could be something more like a like an herb it, it could be something as simple as yeah passion flower you making an herbal tea that you start working with but herbal and plant allies I think would be a great manifestation of this transit one other thing I will say is that Jupiter um, in the tarot is the wheel of fortune 
and Neptune in the tarot is the hanged man. And when I think of the Wheel of Fortune and the hanged man together, I really think of a, a huge moment of surrendering. So I think there, there's like this beautiful energy for, you know, the minute you stop chasing and surrender to the thing, the thing comes, you know, there's, there's such a thing of trying too hard, focusing too much on a focal point. And like the minute you kind of take your eyes off of the pot of water, it does boil. Um, so some things we could, it could happen with that, uh, Jupiter, Neptune influence, but uh, in the more shadowy side, we've been talking about like gurus and cults and maybe even being mindful of like, um, classes you're taking and teachers and all of that stuff, like the guru complex we can project onto our teachers and, how teachers can sometimes, um, especially spiritual teachers, lead us down sometimes the wrong path, you know? It, it, how, how do you feel about that, Mandy? I think you're totally right. And you could even expand that into, um, for those people who maybe who go to church or something, like even the preachers and the, the priests and the leaders of religious organizations that, that you know, it, I think this is a time that that would come up. And I think it's worth saying as well that whatever, there is no human alive, I just don't think there is, that um, has a total altruistic, you know, being. I think that at all times we definitely act from that Mars place in us sometimes and um, it pushes us to do what's good for us, right? So if that is in everybody you have to take what everyone says with a grain of salt and check in with yourself and i think that is important during this time and religious fundamentalism is a huge part of the pisces puzzle i guess with jupiter and neptune coming together so as much as you can see teachers um, and gurus maybe they have a time where that the, the you know, the facade comes crumbling down during the conjunction, maybe, you also have a time which it could be building up. And so there are those, you know, if someone brings you a belief or an idea that you think is really great and that you get, get with and love it, just make sure and give yourself some time to marinate in it. I mean, even a year or so, it's not bad. If you all of a sudden decide you want to be a Buddhist, that's great. Marinate in it, you know, before you do anything drastic or before, you know, you pay the guru $2,500 to do whatever. This is a good time to make, to check in with yourself because um, we can, our, our beliefs can take on this, this like life of their own sometimes. And once you've committed to something or once you really truly think you've seen the light, you know, you start acting in that way. And it, so it's incredibly crucial to, to check in with, reality and places that you are grounded and also um I think it's important to say because and we'll talk about the the transit that I'm going to refer to Mars retrograde and Gemini later but I think it's important during this time to understand we may have to rethink or redo some things uh and so to just be 
totally aware of the information behind whatever you're doing or believing in or going after. Um, it just came to me too, Mallory, that Jupiter rules travel and there, that has been pretty fraught, especially air tra travel recently. Um, and that is on this buildup. I mean, we're in the middle of it, really. We're still quite a ways away from the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, but Jupiter in Pisces has already uh, kind of revealed some cracks and some spots that need improvement and then made a lot of people disillusioned. All these people who traveled for, to, to, for their job to do, that is like, it's not happening the same way. I've traveled recently and people are rude they are so rude it's like everything's just come crashing down to do with like how we even get from place to place um the um delusions we have about how awesome travel is well it's not that awesome right now people are getting their flights canceled and weather events and so that hopefully is a good example and you could apply that to religion you could apply that to spiritual beliefs you could apply that to um, addictions, which by the way, check on your people during this time, because if you know someone prone to ad addiction or prone to floating off, trying to leave this world in some way, uh, this is a time to, you know, make sure you're checking in on them. And um, I mean, I guess just loving them, but that's all wrapped up in this Jupiter Neptune stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that too, Mandy, like that's a good um, little like tidbit of guidance for those people who uh, who might be connected to that addict archetype in some way, whether it's in their own lives or the people who are close to them. But it, it would be yeah a good time to just uh, keep an eye out and, and make sure you know if you feel yourself kind of not doing so well and maybe thinking about maybe dipping into coping mechanisms that you know do not serve you it, it would be a good time to like reach out to the people and guides that do support you and be honest about it I think there's something about Jupiter and Neptune the way that we can lie to ourselves during a Jupiter Neptune uh, conjunction in Pisces, like the self delusion. So like part of that self delusion can be like, oh yeah, I'm okay. Or like, oh yeah, I could just do that. And like, I used to not be great with, um, with this substance, but I've changed and it's cool. Or like, I think it's fine now. Or, um, and it could be something else too. It could be um, oh, I don't need to address my spending addiction. Like it'll all work its way out or whatever. And, um, you know, we have to be mindful of that during a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, what we are, um, uh, what we're perpetuating. And it, it can be easy to kind of let ourselves if we're, if we're not aware of our own bullshit sometimes it can be it can be um easy to let ourselves go in those directions that are actually maybe a little bit self-destructive yeah it feels too like whenever something hits neptune it turns in these tiny little particles and just disseminates easily in fact i've looked at jupiter neptune conjunctions in pisces in the past and they've been related to the first publication of a newspaper in the u.s or 
something like that. Um, and it's interesting, even Pluto Neptune uh, in the late 1800s was the first motion picture film that was showed to a commercial audience. And, you know, I was just thinking about that. And that is one of the more, uh, let's just say, higher vibe <laughs> possibilities here is that you get something that seems like magic that actually it's brought into this real life you know kind of situation so there there are the good things then there are the possibilities of getting roped into your own self-delusion and your own um even netflix right i mean that would go along with that theme because netflix is definitely an addiction for some people i'm you know re-watching breaking bad for some reason i've already even seen it why so these things can be uh jupiter neptune and pisces contains multitudes that's a good way to say it um, and there are good magic, magical moments to be, uh, to, to have. And then there are moments you need to check yourself. And I think that's the important thing is just making sure you're always, always grounded in some way, if you can. <laughs> yes, yes. Have fun kids, but stay safe. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's good, a good um, synopsis of the uh, Jupiter-Neptune energy. So let's kind of talk about um, maybe what happens in May as uh, Jupiter will actually leave Pisces for a little while and ingress into Aries on May 11th. And just a, a broad overview of the Jupiter and Aries shift, um, Jupiter, Jupiter will travel from zero to eight degrees Aries uh, before stationing retrograde on July 29th. And then he starts to back through eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, back into Pisces for a little while. Um, and then I think back into Aries by the end of December. So we get a little taste of this Jupiter and Aries. So I'm thinking about Jupiter, how Jupiter behaves in a fire sign. And I was talking to you about how, um, you know, the Hellenistic astrology students will know that Jupiter um, is in, in domicile in Pisces, which is a water sign, and Sagittarius, which is this fire sign. And I was thinking about, you know, that's interesting. Jupiter does well in fire and water. And that makes sense to me because Jupiter wants to expand. And if we even think about expanding water, like waves crashing, um, you know, tides raising, you know, or expanding fire. Uh, fire can catch and grow really easily. And so it makes sense why Jupiter does well in these elements. He can expand really fast in these elements. Whereas in like uh, an air sign or a earth sign, it's a little bit harder to expand those elements. So I say this because Jupiter is in Aries, uh, so fire sign, and Jupiter wants to expand things. So I'm thinking about like the spiciness that Jupiter and Aries will bring to us this summer. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to know your intuitive hits about this one, Mandy. Get out your pitchforks. 
<laughs> yep. You know, I mean, especially coming on the heels of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, which, you know, it's not that far away. It's like the conjunction happens, which maybe we'll see psychedelics legalized, you know, that could be a thing, but the action ha- seems to happen with the move into Aries from what I've researched. I mean, it's like you, you can see the conspiring happening in with the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction and then then we act in a Mars ruled sign. So yeah, I agree with your assessment about why it's in the elements that it's in. I mean, even if you want to expand like air or gas, you have to put heat on it. You know what I mean? So you can't expand an air. You can't really expand earth as much. You can in these water and fire. So when it hits the fire sign, um, you know, I think that action is probably the biggest key word for Jupiter and Aries. And then also identity, believing in yourself. I mean, Aries is the, is you, you know, it's your, it's your ego. It's the, it's you at the very core of who you are is the Aries um, sign. So Jupiter moving into that is really going to put a fire under your ego, which can be a very good thing. I mean, that's what keeps us alive. Um, but the fight or flight reflexes that we have, it's expanding that. And then you can think about it almost in reverse is like, what does Aries do to Jupiter? And it's like our, our beliefs maybe come, um, maybe we have to fight for them or feel like we have to fight for them. You know, we, after all, we believed that thing under the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. So we have to act on it whenever it comes into Aries. And then it's Mars ruled. Whereas in Pisces, it's ruled by itself, basically. And even if it was ruled, you know, by the modern ruler Neptune, it will be with it. So it's like here in Aries, it's, it's also working in tandem with Mars, which is ruling the South node. Um, and so it seems like the ingress in Aries should be pretty explosive if I had to guess, and maybe even a little, um, um, to our nervous system inflammatory, uh, now, Jupiter is a benefic, uh, but of course, Rick Levine always says that it's, you know, you can expand things, it's great, but sometimes there's too much expansion, you know, so we have to consider, I think, places where we may be like a pack of wild horses, like that's how we're just going for it. Again, that could be a good thing for you, depending on your life, that could be a thing where you have to like really watch yourself, anger, um, frustration, but movement and motivation, and that's really good after Jupiter and, Nep- and Neptune and Pisces, which kind of feels like we're just floating. There's like, I don't feel like doing anything today. Why would I work on this, you know, paper? Jupiter and Aries is much different. And I think it's much easier to feel like you are motivated and want to do stuff. Um, and maybe even to a too much of a degree, but I still feel like identity may come up as well. Um, what do we believe about the concept of identity, uh, people fighting about identity? And I think I brought up when we had our pre-talk about uh, gender politics, which seems to be a thing. I live in Alabama and we have someone running for governor that is um, in a disparaging sort of way talking about the fact that, in fact, let me just do an impression. He said, we want you to believe there's 50 genders they, that's what they want you to believe is what he said. And I just was shocked. Like, why would this even be a thing to put on your governor platform? It doesn't even make any sense. Like it's 
crazy. They want you to believe. So I would expect um, that to be kind of a thing. And in fact, when Uranus was in Aries, I feel like that was a thing. I mean, that was when people started using different pronouns, which is wonderful. I mean, these are all wonderful things, but with Jupiter there, you may have a little bit of this like righteous fighting about it and um, laws or something going into this Aries thing. And also you could even say workers' rights because it's like, we need to do for us now. Aries is us, you know? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, Jupiter and Aries can definitely take things too far when it comes to like setting goals and um, following through with manifestations. We do have to keep in mind that um, although there will be like a literal match, like lit under you, like you will feel this, you know, once Jupiter moves into Aries in May, like, and that's going to be a good thing. And maybe you do get some really good, you make some really good progress, but that's the thing. I would think of your goals and your actions as I am making progress instead of I'm racing to a finish line that doesn't actually exist. Uh, because uh, the minute we, we actually imagine a finish line, during Jupiter and Aries, that's literally when we like break our back, like we break our leg, like trying to get, like literally trying to get to the finish line. I will say like, this will not apply for everybody, but if Jupiter Jupiter and Aries does inspire you to do something like run a marathon, start working out, uh, you know, don't overdo it. Don't, don't think that you can just go out there and swim five miles and do this like triathlon with you know bike riding and you haven't ridden your bike since you were 12 like that's gonna result in injury so it's a literal and a metaphorical kind of prediction uh when we were raced to the finish line results in injury but seeing everything as just progress being made it's a lot more motivating and a lot more humbling uh, the other thing I'll say, too, is that uh, Mars uh, in Aries will form a conjunction with Jupiter in Aries at the very end of May, May 29th. And I just wanted to touch on that because it seems like it's a really important Jupiter in Aries transit that will just kind of make a subcategory of this uh, of this talk, because I am thinking about going back to your point, Mandy, like, individuality and there's just so many issues right now about um, I think the world uh, especially U.S. politics being so divided and how um, you know there's just this very like uh, divided line and how the only way we're ever going to solve our country's problems is to work together as cheesy as that sounds and feels to me like this Jupiter and Mars <laughs> conjunction in Aries isn't helping that. Um, if anything, it's kind of sticking us deeper into our own beliefs. And I I'm thinking about like how, even if you think of like, you're on a private, <laughs> you're, you're on a lost island with 10 other people 
your ability to survive with them increases greatly when you can get along with these 10 different people and you recognize, okay, I don't get along with Sally, but she has this one, um, you know, resource or she is really good at this. So I'm going to compromise with her because she adds to the survival of the group. Okay. You're on a desert island or whatever with 10 people and nobody is compromising. Everybody is not kind of having that sort of um, work together kind of mentality. No one's going to survive. It's going to be like, uh, what's that one book? Um, uh, the Lord, of the, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. It, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. Um, so, and we all know what happens to Simon. So um, that's what I'll say. Uh, I don't know if that feels resonant to you, Mandy. Oh gosh, so much so. And I think that's why I brought up the, um, the, the gentleman running for governor of our state is because they're already using these buzzwords, you know, for, in, in this political sense when um, what we should be doing as a society is work trying to understand one another, work together. Uh, that's the Saturn and Aquarius. That's the work, right? That's Saturn moving through the, the last half of Aquarius. So Jupiter in Aries does feel a lot like, you know, we're defending our beliefs no matter what. And, and those beliefs are going to vary from person to person in these crazy ways. And the, I think that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction before this is going to bring a lot of self-discovery too. I mean, it, like you said about re- retreat, reflection, things of that nature. So when Jupiter ingresses Aries, it almost seems like we're charged up and ready to, to have conflict with people and um, depending on what we believe. I mean, so... I do. I, I think you're right. And I think that this may not help with the division uh, that is currently going on. And I mean, I think that is the cycle. If you look at astrological cycles through history, Saturn, Uranus cycles, Pluto cycles, there are periods of time where it seems like people just cannot come together. And I do feel like in, in one way or another, this is a time where you're just going to have a great rift um, and it's going to be hard to find, at least with the people that you completely disagree with, you know. Um, And it's interesting because I was also thinking about the new moon in Cancer, that's in June, June 28th, I believe. And so we have the Jupiter-Mars conjunction May 29th, right? So we have, it's like these things are bookends a little bit. May 29th is the Jupiter-Mars conjunction, which by the way, a little worried about it. Mars is a malefic and you've got that combined with Jupiter, which is expansion in its home sign. And it's given me vibes of January 6th, you know, sort of insurrection stuff. Now you can apply that to your own life and go, what was that? What was going on around the Mars retrograde in Aries, right? That was through 2020 and then into 2021 early. This is going to probably bring up similar themes with Mars, Jupiter there, maybe people doubling down um, or experiencing, um, you know, just the need to act on things. Then the new moon in Cancer, June 28th is, you know, it's square to it. And it's like, we've got to figure out a way to take care of ourselves, to take care of our children, to 
nourish ourselves. This is too much for our nervous system. This is really not working. So that month could be, I mean, even leading up some mid-May through June uh, 28th, even probably the whole of cancer, um, or at least the first part of it, cancer season is going to be a little sensitive. I mean, Aries squares cancer for a reason, you know, and you've get you've got this warrior archetype versus the mother archetype. And so these things are going to come into play um, with Jupiter in Aries for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting to think about, yeah, cancer season squaring um, all of the Aries, Mars and Aries, Jupiter and Aries and the implications that that will have. So we're definitely in for like a interesting summer, I, I think. Um, and I'm thinking about Mandy, once we kind of get more to the end of summer, like August 1st, this is um, when we were sensing things are going to get maybe a little bit karmic. <laughs> There's some heavy karmic weather, maybe in that first week of August, because Mars will conjoin Uranus and the North Node in a triple conjunction at 18 degrees Taurus. So this is really an interesting kind of, I think really pinnacle point in our year, because usually when something like, especially Mars planet of action and Uranus planet of change are kind of mixing and mingling with the nodes, which are kind of, for me, about karma and energy. Um, I'm thinking there's definitely something faded that might kind of come up around this time, not to bring up any anxiety or fear. It's more about uh, thinking about August being how do I respond versus react to things? Um, how do I react to unpredictable energy? Um, what do I do with the energy of surprise? What do I do with the energy of um, obstacles in moving through obstacles? Like there's a lot of, um, you know, whatever Buddhist, uh, you know, temple you joined back in April, it's going to get to the get to the test in August like you know like are you going to be able to be the good bodhisattva you know through some of the maybe bursts of surprises anger um, karmic uh, happenings during the beginning of August hopefully I didn't make that sound too ominous though <laughs> no and I mean I I think it's not worth fearing any transit. I mean, just on that subject, I, I've been through several of them. Some of them seemed really scary and were nothing. It's like poof, nothing. And then some of them I didn't even pay attention to and it ended up being something that I probably, you know, might've feared if I had known. So it really does no good to fear any of these transits. What it does help with is narrowing down what you can do how you can affect it, or just the knowing, the knowing these themes are going to come up, be flexible. Mars and Uranus, Uranus is upheaval. It's also liberation. It's a liberator. Um, it is lightning. It is the things that happen out of the blue, unpredictability. So that's been there in Taurus for a while, uh, you know, upending our values. And 
supply chain. That's a tourist thing. I mean, how we get food for our tables. So also beyond meat, um, also farm to table stuff where you have your own garden in the yard and you're actually feeding yourself. That's very Uranus in Taurus things. So that's been happening. Well, now we have the addition of the North Node there. And the North Node is sort of where we're going. It is the head of the dragon. And it has an appetite. It wants these things. So what is Taurus? Well, food, sure. Um, but with Uranus there, we want a change. We want to be liberated from something here. And we're going after it with all that we can. Then you pile Mars on the train or whatever it is, the meeting, Mars comes in and is like, well, let's do it. I mean, no more thinking about it. No more just considering we're going to do it. And after a build up with Jupiter and Aries, we're basically building up to this Mars conjunction because Mars is ruling Jupiter and Aries at this point, meaning it's Jupiter sort of taking some cues from Mars. So when Mars moves into Taurus, Mars is like, oh yeah, I'll work towards this. I'll keep working towards it. I don't care if it takes me forever. I will dig my heels in and I will do it. If we look at the setup, Jupiter and Aries, we had a new moon in Cancer Square. Uh, and then this conjunction Mars Uranus North Node also has Venus and Cancer in a sextile. It's at 18 degrees of Cancer we can turn our, our attention to nourishment. How do we nourish ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves? Um, a reminder a little bit from when 2019, 2020 was happening, we had the node in cancer. So we're really kind of reminded of that during this time. What do our families need? Um, and maybe how do I get it? How do I go after it? How do I pursue my own inner security. Uh, so that could be a theme, you know, maybe if there are any economic problems going on, um, it's, it's going to come to a head during this time. You could even say women's rights, especially with what's going on um, in Mississippi. And I looked it up uh, right before we started this, Mars Uranus North Node. When you look at the astro map, um, astrocartography, you will see that this is rising right over the middle of the U.S. I mean, not rising, culminating. So we'll be at the very top of the chart during this conjunction, which happens to be over Mississippi, over a lot of these central states uh, that, you know, a lot of times lean one way or another, but especially with Mississippi, we've, there's a bill that they've put forward and Texas um, about abortion rights. And so that to me seems like it would be a theme during this time. But what you're going to get is um, you're going to shock yourself, basically. I think we're all going to shock ourselves with exactly what we feel like doing around that time. Um, it is very much a surprise. You didn't know you were going to go march in DC, but here you go. Like, <laughs> this is what we're doing. You know, get on the train. Um, and maybe you are surprised by some things that come through your family, family karma, ancestry. Maybe you're surprised by your loved one um, in some way. So flexibility is super key if we're going to kind of make it through this 
point in a sane way, you know, like really being able to look at all sides, consider all sides. If you really are being pushed to do something, you have to be flexible in the way you do it, flexible with other people and the changes they are going to undergo because that is going to happen with everybody. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's like, I think a a beautiful read on the energy and yeah, I'm thinking, like you said, yeah, Mars, Uranus, North Node, all in Taurus. Who is the landlord of Taurus? That's Venus. And like you were saying, Venus is in Cancer. So we have that family kind of theme. Also, I don't typically gender the planets, but in mundane astrology, we could say that Venus does rule over um, like groups of women. And I think that is like furthering your point about some maybe women's rights, um, like feminist activism. What does that really look like around this time? I also mentioned to you before we started recording, um, honestly, a, a a big handful of my personal clients and even friends who are in predominantly um, um, women uh, majority workplaces like schools, uh, teachers, nurses, um, even the airline industry in some ways. Um, I know so many teachers and nurses who are like, I'm out of here. Like I, I can't, I can't sustain working in this field anymore. And I think some of the greater problems behind like women in the workforce are being revealed during this time. And even I want to say too, uh, I'm maybe going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but even like role of mother. And I can't tell you, maybe this is my moon Pluto in my own chart. So I maybe see this theme a lot in my life and in my sessions, but like, I mean, all the, the, the moms I talk to, like a lot of them are like beside themselves and it's not their fault. Like we put so many expectations on, you know, raise how to raise a kid and like how the mother is like the sole responsibility oftentimes to like the housework and the resentment that that brings and the loss of identity that comes from uh like again being in that mother archetype and it's not anybody's fault it's the way our society is set up it does not support women. (laughs) Um, I mean, it doesn't support a lot of people, but it certainly does not support, um, you know, that sort of like, I'm a working mom and I can do it all. That's all a bullshit facade that keeps us like in this capitalistic, um, like rigmarole, right? So I'm going down a tangent, but all I'm saying here is like, I think that karma about like, us not having enough assistance in our lives and like needing to rethink like how we're setting up our families and the the pandemic kind of revealing all of this to us in a lot of ways it's it's big it's big family karmic themes around this time yeah Yeah. a family needs a nurturer man woman whatever like it doesn't matter i mean non-binary whoever you are a family unit needs a person dedicated to nurturing because that is, I mean, I think we're seeing the effects of, you know, being profoundly disconnected from that idea 
Uh, I mean, it, it's almost like I see it being lucky enough to be able to have a nurturer at home who will cook your dinner. And a lot of people feel called to that, but can't because we have to do the rat race of, okay, well, we also have to have money to buy the food. And so how does that all fit into this theme? I think it's a big, big theme. How do we make the money and have the nurturer and do the both things? Like we got to have it. Someone who knows how to you know, make tea for the kids when they get sick, um, who even notices when they get sick. Sometimes it's that you know, uh, serious where people are just working their tails off and, and the kids are left to, you know, just not even have anyone to talk to or whatever. So I do think that that is a big part of this. I mean, you're on a North node anyway, but Mars joining the, the, the meeting around August 1st is, is going to bring up these themes and, um, maybe a very real way, a big way with Jupiter being ruled by that Mars and, um, you possibly see some legislation, Jupiter does rule law, um, or something like that. I mean, let's hope, but I think it's also very much, a we're going to, going to, uh, I think of, you know, in Christianity, there's in the Bible, the story of Jesus flipping over the change tables in the church because he was mad that they were making money from spirituality, basically. And that is sort of this idea of flipping, we're tired of, of being exploited, done with it, kind of in a societal way. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, well, heard it here first, my friends. <laughs> yeah, we, two, two triple water signs channeling something, something's going on in, in April, or in August, uh, beginning of August, when it comes to these themes that have just been building up for so long. And one last thing I'll add to the end of this point is that in the background of this year, at least in the United States, the, we're having the U.S. Pluto return. So um, I, I'm thinking to, you know, when a country has its Pluto return, there's big elements of transformation that happen. And I'm thinking about like the Western family structure that especially I think the United States has perpetuated and how the Western family structure can at times just keep us in this cycle of like the traumatized rat race. And I think this is like a big, um, you know, a, a big turning point maybe for that reckoning of this, the structures, because the structures of our families are also um, reflective of the structure of our, um, the bigger family, like the government and, you know, all of that. So that's what the sign of cancer teaches us anyways. So we'll leave it at that. And that kind of takes us to the kind of a, a little bit of the end of the year, um, you know, end of August, Mars uh, will ingress into Gemini. And this, my friends, is, is pretty important because Mars will be in Gemini from August 20th, 2022 until March 25th, 2023. So Mars will be hanging out in Gemini for seven months in the Gemini section of your natal chart. And a lot happens with Mars and Gemini. So we'll probably spend the rest of our year ahead forecast kind of talking about like the underpinnings of Mars and Gemini and Mars's eventual retrograde period 
in Gemini, which will happen from October 30th, 2022 until January 13th, 2023. Um, so yeah, Mandy, take, take it away with the, the Mars and Gemini. Give us, give us the scoop on that kind of overview. I think it's such a good segue because when we look at the, the transit we talked about before, Mars around its north node, August 1st, um, and with Jupiter being in Aries, Jupiter can rule higher education to a certain extent. Uh, and then we got Mars moving into Gemini, which also rules education and teachers and gathering data, um, information. So Mars in its first part, I mean, let's just say August 20th through October 30th is doing an exploratory mission because it will eventually retrograde and retrace all of those steps. And so you can think of maybe lots of ideas coming in in the very beginning, August through October. We've got lots of ideas, um, maybe people socializing. Gemini is very social. Mars and Gemini is like, I'm going out. I don't care. I mean, we're going to go to the club and we're going to dance. We're going to have fun. That is very Mars and Gemini. Um, and so you can think of this being a theme at first. The other thing is coming off the heels of all of the other astrology that we've gone over. We've got the delusion perhaps of, of Jupiter and Neptune. We've got the, uh, almost like righteous warrior of Jupiter and Aries. And we've got this big upheaval of Mars, Uranus, North node. Uh, and then Mars and Gemini is like, what's real? What is you know, what is the actual information I need to take and do something with? Um, Gemini is the twins, it's the trickster. So there are lots of decisions to make. And I think we're gonna be presented with which way do we go? I don't know which way to go. And so as it slows down going into Halloween, we, we go, we can't move forward. We have to go check out the information. We have to rethink it. Yep, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, yes, re rethinking. And I think another phrase we had for Mars retrograde this year is re-strategize because like, yeah, there, as you say that it really resonates with my intuition. Like it's not necessarily, it, it's more, it's not like a material physical obstacle at this moment, it's um, more of like an intangible, informational kind of thing. We just don't have the correct information in order to move forward. And we need to take a step back until we have that information. And something that I love about Mars in Gemini, in general, especially Mars and Gemini natives, I was telling you, I just find them to be like very curious souls. Like they're very curious about collecting information and just getting to know people and how different things work in like a non-judgmental way. Um, I love uh, Mars and Gemini for maybe even the experience of like going somewhere completely new and having like culture shock. That's like kind of a good metaphor for Mars and Gemini sometimes. And, you know, in that moment where you're in a completely different environment, completely different um, kind of uh, dress and culture, person, food, um, you can either like be afraid of it or you can 
be curious about it. Um, so I'm thinking about like navigating some kind of moment where we don't have all of the information. Instead of running away from that, we can get curious about it. Um, so I also used to work at a library in high school. That was like my first job. I was a page. So I like put away the books and like I ran around and like did errands for the other librarians like throughout the library. And even that is kind of, I don't have Mars and Gemini natally, but it feels like kind of a Mars and Gemini kind of job. Like I'm putting away the books. I'm like fact checking. I'm running to go like get different books throughout the library, um, organizing things, you know, so that that kind of uh, image the kid running around the library um, is is like Mars and Gemini. <laughs> it is so Mars and Gemini. Like, uh, yeah, I'm surprised like with that, you don't have any Gemini placements because that's perfect. It's perfect. And, you know, I mean, I didn't even finish my thought too with Mars um, being social, but that I was leading to something and that is um, like, and you could even say, being excited about information, running around, doing the, the library thing, right? But there's something when Mars goes retrograde that kind of turns us around like, you know, oh, I've got all of these books to put away or something like that. You know, like I envision you in the library like with a stack that you can't handle, right? That sort of, it, or I was really excited about this concert and COVID again, this would track with about the right time for, let's just say a, a resurgence um, around the Mars retrograde time, not to mention it also happens to square Neptune and then also Mercury retrograde in Virgo. Uh, so two mutable squares of this Mars retrograde, um, Jupiter by sign, Jupiter ingresses back into Pisces. Um, and that's the thing about this time is we may make a lot of plans and also ooh, we can't be social for a minute um this also would be indicative of mars and gemini trining saturn and uranus saturn i mean saturn and aquarius saturn and aquarius the rules around how we gather the rules around how we do the society stuff mars and gemini retrograding is like we you know is stopped by it in some way and neptune also traditionally rules viruses um, and I shouldn't say traditionally, it's more modern, but still it rules viruses. And so around this time, if you are looking at planning anything between October 30th and January 13th, might even go into early October because there's a Mercury retrograde, um, the very beginning of October. So I think late September through October, November, December, this could be thwarted in some way. Um, so it's good to have backup plans. If you think of a Mars retrograde in Gemini, it's a little bit like a perpetual Mercury retrograde. Like it's just hanging around and sticking. And then if we have Mercury retrograde at the same time, there are gonna be times when it will be frustrating for sure. Um, when you're just running around the library, you're having so much fun putting the books away and being curious and then uh, Mars goes retrograde and something goes on that um, makes you have to redo something there. I put the books in the wrong place. Are you kidding me? Again, that's such a simple example, but it's 
I mean, it really just describes exactly how this could go because things will get turned on its head. The trickster will come out to play and move your books around and, um, you know, oh, another, you know, variant or something that could thwart plans, commerce, Mercury ruled, that's commerce. Um, and so I think that that has a lot to do with the Mars retrograde, but also um, with that square to Neptune, that's November 19th, if I didn't say it already, um, that's going to bring up these Jupiter-Neptune vibes from before. Mm. And also um, dealing with delusion, also dealing with maybe martyr archetype Joan of Arc, victim mentality, all of these possibilities, trying to get to the truth, Mars retrograde in Gemini. Maybe we have a lot of information that we're given. Let's just use COVID, for example. We're given all this information on COVID through the summer. Oops, some information turns it, turns it on its head. So what is the truth? Which one do I believe? Do I wear the double mask? Do masks work at all? Like I can see this being a theme around fall when we could have another visit into pandemic land. I don't necessarily, I don't feel like that, at least my intuition, I shouldn't just say this as astrologer, as an astrologer, but my intuition definitely is telling me summer is going to be a little better for that. Like not as bad for virus subjects, but fall again, gets kind of iffy with all of these um, Mars retrograde transits to Neptune and Mercury retrograde in Virgo. Um, the conspiracy theory thing, fake news. I mean, we're entering into an election cycle. Um, we're already in one, but when we start to get to the turn of the year of 2023 and the elections in 2024, it really ramps up. And so you're going to hear, um, when are the midterms even like even the midterms may be a theme here but you're going to hear fake news you're going to hear people saying things that aren't even true in their like um, just like the governor the or the guy that's running for governor here in my state you know just saying things that are just like what is possessed people I think that might be a thing so people are probably going to shock you with the things they say um maybe the decisions they've made, you know, it could be hard to trust yourself around this time. I think that's another point to make. I, I actually, yeah, I like that. Like self-trust high priestess kind of vibes with the tarot. Um, yeah. And, you know, Mars and Gemini, like you said, uh, Gemini is a Mercury ruled sign. So what is Mercury doing around this time? At some point, he he'll be retrograde a few times. Mercury also is the second fastest moving planet behind the moon. So Mercury changes their, their behaviors really fast. That's why, um, you know, when Mercury is known as the trickster god, we don't know exactly we can't take what he's doing uh too seriously because it's going to change in a couple weeks anyways and with mars answering to this really fast moving mercury um it's like it is hard to trust ourselves it's it's even maybe hard for 
intuitive people, people who um, are usually really tapped into like the universal energy. Maybe it's even hard for us to make sense of it all too. So what do we do when we can't quite make sense of everything? Um, you know, I think there's something, the medicine that's kind of coming through in this moment is um, kind of maybe connecting to animals. Um, and I don't know why necessarily that's <laughs> coming through. I mean, maybe that is a Mars, Neptune, Mars, Jupiter kind of theme. I actually think Mars and squared Neptune kind of reminds me of like, is it equinine therapy? Is that how you oh, say yeah. it? Like yeah, horse, horses? horse therapy, um, like how horses can like sense your energy and sense your nervous system. So it's like a practice of regulation when you do therapy with horses because they can, you know, you have to calm your nervous system down in order for them to approach you and all of that stuff. And I'm thinking about how much we can learn from the nonverbal living beings that are all around us. So if like we can't trust the verbal beings around us at this time, like, you know, Mars uh, retrograde and all of that, like information is really foggy. What information can we trust? And I know I can always trust the energy of a tree as woo-woo as that sounds. I know I can always trust the messages of plants. I know I can always trust um, the bird song or different animals, dogs, cats, or whatever. So um, I, I, think, I think animals and plants are going to be a good route at the end of this year. I think you're really speaking to the nodes with the North Node being in Taurus. And it's interesting because, you know, even around the retrograde station, October 30th, just before that, there's an eclipse. So the, the ret Mars retrograde happens in between eclipses. And so this eclipse is a new moon in Scorpio with the South Node, a solar eclipse. And this really has connotations of um, letting go of control. And with Mars turning retrograde, you're going to absolutely need to understand that you cannot control everything. Um, there is so much in your life that, you know, you can't do anything about. And then the North Node in Taurus, but you can trust a tree. You can, that is something that stays, you know, what can you hold on to is going to be very important, you know, and it may be, um, uh, things that you can value that also bring you security. So animals, plants, things of that nature, working with the earth, nourishing your body with Mars being retrograde in Gemini. That's such a nervous system thing, like you were saying. So food, the food you take into your body, uh, any of that is going to help. I love that so much. I can trust a tree. I get, at least I can trust a tree. It's not going to lie to me. Um, you know, like this Mars retrograde in Gemini, but this brings up to the, um, you know, the South Node in Scorpio has a lot to do with disempowerment and, and sort of letting go of disempowering situations and control that we are obsession with something that, you know, is not good. Also a lack of looking at our own desires or really wanting to acknowledge the desires that we have. 
And this new moon happening October 25th, the solar eclipse with, uh, is also with Venus. And this brings back up the theme of um, women's rights and things of that nature. So this Mars retrograde could also be looked at as an information war. I mean, with Mars being there, and then the full moon is also with Venus, the lunar eclipse with the North Node in Taurus. Um, so Venus is hanging out in Scorpio during all of this, which is a Mars ruled sign. And so Mars retrograde has, it's just doing more than just the Mars retrograde part. It's also informing these other things going on. Um, and eventually Jupiter will move back into Aries, um, when is that? And be answering to that Mars freshly. Jupiter will move back into Aries December 20th. There you go. December 20th. Um, and that answers to the Mars retrograde as well. So that took me past the at least piece of good news, I guess, that we have. We're ending on a high note. Don't worry, friends. You are still <laughs> listening here. Um, hopefully, this is this is um, at least interesting, even though it might be a little bit ominous. But um, December 9th was kind of our last highlight that me and Mandy like had to highlight this because I think it's uh, it's interesting because Venus will be in Sagittarius. And Venus will make a square to Jupiter in Pisces, really right before Jupiter in Pisces will go into Aries. And what's interesting about this Venus-Jupiter square is it's happening at the last degree of Pisces, last degree of Sagittarius. So 29 degrees Pisces, 29 degrees Sag. Again, that's December 9th. So we were kind of thinking these are the two benefics um, you know, in really good signs and a lot of junk has been stirred around and is going to keep stirring around specifically in the mutable signs, you know, for the next couple months still. So this is something actually good that's kind of happening in the midst of like this mutable sign stew, you know, this Gemini, uh, Pisces, Sagittarius, Virgo stew that's been going on with Mars and Gemini. So yeah, what is your intuition telling you about this Venus-Jupiter square at, 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 on December 9th? Yeah, I think that um, it looks like, especially looking at December 7th, there's a full moon with Mars in Gemini with Mars retrograde two days before so this seems to be a culmination of a lot this time period. And the Venus square to Jupiter is a, a balancing act, it feels like, because Venus always brings balance. And it's in Sagittarius, which is our truth, our belief. So we get to have this like, um, it's like they're talking to each other, whereas a square in normally is not fun. A square is normally tension, right? But with two good guys you don't normally get the tension what you're getting is the um the working together even despite their differences trying to formulate a plan or something like that and when when you have venus in sagittarius and jupiter in pisces you could get some good laws or some expansion of balance of of values beauty something that just kind of like 
you pets us after what might be a stressful fall. I think both of us can agree that the beginning of the year from now, February 4th, 2022, until probably around the summer solstice seems to be quite nice. When you start to get into summer and fall, it's it, things turn inward again. They go, um, they, they can kind of be a little uh, aggravating, I think is a good word to use. So to end the year with two benefic squaring is perfect. It's like, okay, here's your little lollipop at the end. You know, you get this, this balance, this joy, this optimism with Venus in Sagittarius. Right. I couldn't agree more. And to be honest, I actually prefer um, a square with two benefics to a trine with two benefics. Like, because even though like the textbooks would say like, logically, a Venus trine Jupiter would be more harmonious and it would be um, like in an analytical sense. But sometimes when two really good things are trining and there's a trine, you know, happening, we don't really do much with that energy. It can like really like go in it in one year and out the other. Like it just doesn't feel all that motivating. So a square, especially between Venus and Jupiter is I think a motivation towards optimistic expansion, you know, like a, a, a push towards aligned action that we maybe wouldn't have taken if it was like a quote unquote better aspect. So I, I like that square. I don't know. That's a totally a great point. I've never looked at it that way, but it makes sense because squares are inherently active. They cause action. And so that makes like a ton of sense. I love that. The Venus square Jupiter, December 9th. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Mandy, I'm thinking, you know what uh, came to mind? Maybe it would be a good um, kind of wrap up point. Do you work with a color of the year or a word of the year? I have not. Oh, okay. I was going to say like, I don't know if there's like, um, maybe a word or a color of the year that kind of comes to you when it like it, when we're kind of thinking about um this whole discussion we just had so maybe we both need to like sit for a second um we'll maybe sit in a little uh meditative uh thing and we'll see but I, i'm kind of interested to see what comes through so um yeah listeners please hold while me and mandy uh, maybe do a little channeling um I have something. Did you get something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got you, something. You tell you tell me first, because I'm sure both messages will kind of maybe link together somehow. <laughs> well, truth seems to be coming up a lot. And so truth really, it's a simple word. It's a broad word. But because Jupiter is doing so many things and Mars is retrograding and Gemini, which is information, and it just seems to me like we're, we're all really trying to sort out the truth. So truth 
That's my word. Okay. That's, I like that. And, you know, I think that does kind of loop into um, the word that came to me, um, which is reimagine. And I think um, as the truth reveals itself, we can then reimagine a new possibility. And when I was kind of feeling that word, um, it felt like it was important to spirit for some reason for it to be reimagine and not imagine. Like, I don't know why, but I think that re in front of it, like, <laughs> it's like, we have to rethink something. We have to redo something. Um, we're reimagining the, these new possibilities. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know if the color, um, like seafoam green really means anything to you, but that was a color that I was kind of seeing. And for me, it's kind of about the heart chakra, but I feel like, don't they say like green, pink and green are heart chakra colors, but green is more about like universal love. Like green is the color that connects me to you, to every single other living being on this earth. Um, so yeah, this definitely has to do with reimagining how we are all connected to each other. That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with your seafoam green because I do love that um, the Neptune Pisces portion of this kind of softens things at first. And your reimagine word makes sense too, because in the beginning of the year, we have a huge imagining is what we like. We do the first imagining and then the end of the year, we may have to go rework it. So this diffusive seafoam green with reimagining maybe we're reimagining the truth who knows <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Mandy for being on this episode for the long haul with me and I just know that as time goes on as this episode marinates I think things will make more and more sense and it is February beginning of February 2022 at this point Mandy are you still offering personalized year ahead readings or are you finishing up with that for this year yeah um generally the way I do it is if you want a year ahead reading from any point we can do it you know so if you wanted to get a year ahead session um and I just go by time anyway so however much time you want to spend with me is I will pack a ton of information into it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, sh we'll say for both of us, um, if you want a kind of personalized check-in with anything that we talked about, personally, I kind of think that um, Mars retrograde for those of you who um, do like to kind of check in with your psychics, tarot readers, acupuncturists, uh, maybe mark that Mars retrograde, uh, you know, October 30th through J January 13th, like go talk to one of your spiritual people during that time. Um, but regardless, yeah, both me and Mandy Ray are here to hold space for you throughout this year. If you are wanting some more personalized navigational tools and you'll find both of our information in the show notes. And of course, I would think you'll be back on again at some point too, Mandy. So I am sure this isn't the last 
podcasts you'll be joining us on. <laughs> I hope not. I love to talk to you. You're so awesome. <laughs> You're awesome too. Okay, listeners. Well, let us know how you resonated with this year ahead forecast. Did you have any colors or words of the year that you felt were relevant? And we will talk to you next time.